We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 502 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dane Hilton, and yeah, unfortunately, I'm still a bit under weather. I haven't been able to shake it, but yesterday I was, I know it was about an hour before the match started, but I was able to get out those summer transfer grades, so that's done, that's dusted, the team is who they are going to be. We got to see them for the first time in this, we'll say, final iteration, at least until January when Vitor Roque shows up, and we saw that against Osasuna on the road, which is a really tough match. Osasuna has lost just seven games between 2021 to now at home, so it's not a place teams usually get a result in. So for Barcelona to get three points, you know me, I'm always saying the three points, look at the league title last year, I'm not watering that down at all, a league title is a league title. So three points in any way that it comes, especially in a difficult place like Navarre, is good enough for me. But there are some things to talk about, and I think for the first time, you're going to hear a little bit more pushback on tactics from me for Xavi than you usually do. I know it's a little bit late. As I said, I'm still recovering, but we should be back on our regular schedule where the match reviews and the five headlines come out not too long, not a full day after the game. But yeah, we'll see what happens here. It should be a little bit better moving forward, but hey, we'll see. Life is life as well. Without further ado, though, here they are, the five headlines from Barcelona's 2-1 win over Osasuna. Headline one is Osasuna lineup overreaction. It's interesting because before this game, you looked at an Osasuna lineup and you said Barcelona should have jumped all over them. They were rotating. On Thursday, they had played against Club Bruges to get knocked out of the Europa Conference League after falling 2-1 in the first leg. And to the point where it was so much rotation, there was no Chimi Avila, no Ante Budimir, no Jean Moncayola, no Moy Gomez, no David Garcia, no Lucas Toro. Did he really, that being Arasate, not start his five best players? It is debatable if those are the five, but five of the top eight at the very least. Amor Oroz came into the starting 11, and he might be the most creative player playing as that winger slash attacking midfielder for them, but that's not the point. The point is that from every part of that line, from forward, midfield, to defenders, Osasuna changed out quite a bit. And did Arasate have to do that with a lot of those players not playing international duty over this two-week break? Probably not. But in the same regard, Barcelona knew that if they did not get some kind of lead on this put-together makeshift Osasuna starting 11, then those starters and the good players were going to come in and try to make an impact in the last 30 or 40 minutes of the game. 
Even then, though, I would argue that Osasuna as a total team, because of the culture that they have, I'm not underestimating any starting 11 that they have. They should not be underestimated, regardless of the team that was selected. Because I know that Barcelona hasn't dropped points on the road in Navarre in over a decade, but this team is still a club on the rise. It's a club owned by its members. It's a club that has retained some of its talent over the years. And even the guys from the last two, three years, as I said, Amor Arroz, who is not a household name, even in the Liga yet, it's only a matter of time before Osasuna continue to finish in the top seven, the top eight, and people have to know who they are. It's a well-run club that play well, and they have a style, and especially at home, they have an intensity about them. And so I do want to credit Osasuna before I start to disparage Barcelona. Barcelona should have done better in this game, yes, and we're going to talk about for the rest of the headlines some of those things. But again, I don't ever want to underestimate, especially a team that finished in the top seven last year. If you were a top half team in La Liga, you're clearly doing something right. So Osasuna, even with their starting 11, I don't care too much about that. Because again, the ideas that they have, that being forcing Barca to play through them, pressing high, even with the 11 that they had, that was the game plan and they followed through. And because Ter Stegen didn't really bring his passing boots, it was all those little things that prevented Barcelona from pushing forward. That Sergio Roberto, even the misplay kind of summed it all up that it winds up being, i say, overstated for Barcelona fans because of Roberto, when in fact, almost everybody in that Barcelona team was kind of sloppy in the first half and just not good enough with their first touch. Headline two is Xavi's tactics questioned. And the reason I don't say Xavi's lineup is because people don't seem to be questioning Xavi's lineup choices from this match. It seems like many would have taken Lamini Mall, even based on recent form in the last three games over Rafinha. What was most interesting to me, though, and I think, again, why people are pushing back on Xavi today is because Xavi, after the match, said that he needed more from Balde and Lamini Mall, which obviously are two teenagers. And I would not say agree with Xavi because I kind of actually go against him in this, that I stick by the fact that I think Balde in this system, in that three, two, I mean, five, for goodness sake, he is being asked, that being Baldi, to do way too much, cover way too much ground. And I would also understand that while at El Sadar, that Xavi wasn't afraid to put Lamini Mall again in that. I mean, we've seen Ansu Fati and Ilas Moriba and Nico Gonzalez and Abde. They all scored their first Barcelona goals on the road against Osasuna. So why wouldn't Lamini Mall be able to add himself to that list? On paper, he might even be the most talented of the five players I just named. But I do think that Osasuna also put an emphasis on stopping him, which was a compliment to him, certainly, that already at 16, your opposition is saying, hey, that's the guy, that's the kid that's going to make all this happen for Barcelona, especially on the wing, it's only going to play two forwards. And they were cued into that from the very jump. And again, credit to Osasuna for doing their homework. And for Barcelona, once they take away your plan A, which in this case was a 16-year-old kid, then you have to have plan B, C, D. And we didn't see a lot of that because Barcelona were getting to that final third of Osasuna Without too much sweating, they were able to get there pretty easily, play through the press, and that is a compliment to Barcelona that, yeah, they're fine playing out of pressure. From Ter Stegen, again, I know that on those long balls, he had a little bit of trouble, but from Christensen and Koundé and then working it up through the wings, there wasn't too many things that Barcelona were doing wrong in building up. Again, that's a reason why they had that zero in the first half as well. It is one thing to not score yourself, but it's another thing to also not concede. So it is a good job by Barcelona to take that zero into halftime. And there's a lot of different things that we can talk about. The fact that they're a team, that being Barcelona, that is prepared and ready to go with that four midfield to overcome those high-pressure situations because they're able to flood the midfield with all those midfielders and not even one-touch pass, but use the wings and use the width to get out of those situations with those third-man movements. So good on Barcelona for that. But then they get into the final third, and that's where the problems begin because there's such a lack of mobility 
up top. There's a lack of runs coming from your forward. And if you're going to play with those two high interiors, that being in this case, Gabi, and then Gwynnewin also pushing forward along with Lewandowski, they just were not moving enough in behind the defense to create any space at all. I'll talk about how that second goal was scored, but something happened different, let's say, on that second goal than we saw throughout much of the first half and much of the second half as well. They weren't swapping positions. They weren't exchanging where they were standing. It was just very stagnant. If you're going to be standing against a team like Osasuna, because they're not sitting in a low block. They're able to defend in a low block, but it really wasn't a full low block. They weren't putting nine guys behind the ball. They were only putting their first eight behind the ball, and then they had the two on the outlet. So it wasn't like they were bringing five into the back line or anything like that. And then even in the second half, Osasuna, they played their style instead of Barcelona playing theirs. And Barca had a much even harder time getting to Osasuna than they did it in the first half. There was just no continuity in the middle of the field, which I think is a major part of it. And why I said all this stuff that Xavi really, for the reasons I just laid out, may have to reevaluate. If you're getting such little movement up front, maybe you do need to put on another forward. Maybe you do need to try to play a 4-3-3. And I think the discussion point about what that does to Frankie de Young is something that I'm going to do later in the week with a guest. I want to have that conversation with somebody else. But the one I will add to this and why I don't go too crazy about it is, yes, Pedri is out. That is the biggest part of it, sure. But the reason why I think Xavi might push to give this more time than to reevaluate that four-man midfield at this juncture in the season is going to win because he has not where he is expected to be at this point yet. You can clearly see that there was a familiarity when Zhao Cancelo came on the field. They knew each other. And I think the first or second pass from Cancelo, that was the only time that Gundogan got in behind the defense. I know it was out on the wing, but you could see that there was, hey, finally, there's somebody who knows what I want to do. So for Gundogan, who we've seen him at his best with teammates that he knows and understands and is comfortable with, and I just feel like he's not there yet. And trying to go back to the lewandowski Gundogan thing, they're entirely different players than they were when they first paired up almost 10 years ago with Dortmund. So they have to almost relearn each other. And it's a different responsibility for him in this system than he had for Man City. And it's not a matter of if Gunwin will ever get really truly comfortable here, it's when. And I think at that point, when Gunwin is a bit more comfortable and making a bit more runs in behind, and I, my hope is for Gabi still that he continues to improve and gets those runs in behind and does open a few things up. Because Gabi doesn't add that to his game, I don't know how you continue to have him stand in that left wing position as that fourth midfielder. It doesn't make sense to me. And so that maybe Gabi does go to the bench when Pedri returns from injury again. But again, for Pedri, you can't wear him down either. So you're going to have to have, over the course of 90 minutes, some options. And we did see Zhao Felix come on. So more on him in a second. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Headline three is Kunde's best. Kunde was good before the goal. Defensively, as a center back, has looked really good to start this season. And I think for Xavi, it's not even a reward. Like, it's this weird thing that we think, oh, well, Kunde stood his ground and he came to Barcelona to be a center back. And so obviously Xavi had to finally give in because he didn't want an unhappy Kunde. But I, I think that the dramatizing of that was hyped up a little bit. Jules Kunde, again, for not the year before he came, but two years prior to coming to Barcelona, was arguably the best center back in La Liga. You know, he was 21, 22 at the time, but playing for Sevilla, he was terrific. He was fantastic. He was all those things that you want to see from a center back, and you could see what he could have even become. And last season, playing as right back, yeah, it didn't really truly work out for him. It wasn't getting the best out of him. And obviously, when Rodarajo was injured, you have no questions on who's going to start. It's Christensen, and it's Kunde. You put him in pen or marker, whatever you want to say, and Nico Martinez getting his debut, but not fully healthy either, so not making too much of a show of it. And also at 32, I think Inigo Martinez knows that he is the fourth option, that he is going to be the guy to sub in and come on late. And when there is rotation needed, then he'll be the guy. So how that goal was scored, though, the 1-0, Gabi and Kunde draw it up. You can see them talking before the goal was scored. It was an in-swinging cross from the corner. Eder Fernandez, who, you know, he's under six feet or just barely six feet. So he doesn't like to come off his line for that reason, being a diminutive goalkeeper. And so this ball perfectly finds a target on the header. Gunawin swings it in, and Ibanez wanted the foul, but the ref agreed that it wasn't enough. Kunde aims with his head, puts it where he wants to. Good on Kunde. But as I said, just overall, you could tell he was being the leader that Barcelona need him to be if Ronaldo is out. And I thought this was Kunde, I mean, one of his best performances in a Barcelona shirt overall. My man of the match, without discussion. Maybe the only other guy that has a shout for it would be Frankie de Jong, who I also thought was good. And I also thought he acted like a captain, too. There was once in the game when he complained for just a little bit, but then he immediately got back to where he wanted to. And as I said, the big thing about Frankie de Jong is he was good again when Barca wasn't. And there are many times over the years you've heard me say, when Frankie de Jong is bad, then Barcelona seems to be bad. And when he is good, then Barcelona seems to be good. And this was one of those weird cases where Barcelona, they still got to win. So maybe you say that's good. But Barcelona didn't necessarily play well. But Frankie actually did play well. And I wonder if this system that Xavi is employing, that 3-2-5, is to create some consistency in Frankie de Jong is going to play well, even when Barcelona as a whole aren't going to play well. So then if that becomes your question that Xavi has to sit with, and as I said, we'll talk about this further on one of those podcasts, but the question I'll have you just roommate with is that would you sacrifice Frankie playing less consistent if certain players, like we'll say even Lewandowski or Gunawin, if they're able to play just a little bit better? Maybe, right? We know what you're getting from Frankie Young in the system. And the other ones are question marks. Will players improve if you change the system? I'm not so sure about that. And then another guy, as I already mentioned, Ter Stegen, not good with his feet, but he was very good as a shot stopper, as his job is to be a guy with his hands, a goalkeeper, really good as a goalkeeper. And that was enough to get Barcelona three points. Headline four is another ugly winner. Barcelona, as I said, were being outworked. Fortunate to not concede a penalty in the first half. Gabi on Ico Munoz. If this shoe was on the other foot, then Kules would be arguing and, and, and crying that Barcelona didn't get the call. And I think Osasuna had a fair shout for that because of the penalty that was awarded later in the game. But before that happened, when Barcelona up 1-0 with the Koundé header, 1-1, Chimi Avila, Barcelona starting to bring less pressure on the ball. You could tell that they were getting worn down a little bit. I know it was still really hot there in Spain at this time of the year. But Chimi coming on, as I said, with those rotations, that meant that some of their better players were going to come on off the bench. And Chimi Avila is just that. Tremendous strike from him. 
But Barcelona, as I said, they made it easy for him to find the window. He pulled the Messi move. He just dribbled right across the top of the box and let it fly when he saw that window. A good player and a good score. Then, though, with 10 minutes remaining, Lewandowski finally got his other forward that he was asking for last week with Zhao Felix coming on with 10 minutes remaining. And it was an immediate impact. And it wasn't even about Zhao Felix. Again, I'll talk about him in a second. But more importantly, Gabi was playing a bit deeper and just looked better right away. <laughs> the minute Zhao Felix come on the field, Gabi just looked better. And so Zhao Felix makes a run. Lewandowski has some space. They wind up changing where they are in the field. And Felix is in an offside position. Doesn't matter though. Lewandowski attacks the space. Does not affect. And Catania grabs him just a little. Lewandowski sells it. And it's a red card because of there being no attempt to play the ball. But whether or not it really should have been called a foul at all, that is a real question that Osasuna, I think, does have an argument about. Either way, Lewandowski goes down. It's tough because I say, sure, I think that it's fair enough that there was enough contact for you to call that. But as I said, then you don't call Gabi on Icomunos before. That inconsistency is a problem. I think Barcelona should have faced the PK in the first half if they were awarded one in the second. Either way, Lewandowski scores the penalty. Good on him finding ways to put the ball in the back of the net, even when he's just not at his best right now. Lewandowski continues to not be at his best. I don't want to continue to talk about that. So instead, we end the show. Headline 5, debut of the Jaws plus Inigo. The 59th minute, Lamine Mall and Sergio Roberto off of Ferran Torres and Jao Cancelo. And Barcelona did look better. They looked better once those two came on. Cancelo, as I mentioned, that connection with Gunawin that seemed to just be there from the jump. And it was helpful to have Gunwin kind of come alive in those last few minutes, too. And then the last 10 minutes, João Felix on for Ordo Pomeu. And in the 91st minute, Rafinha and Inigo Martinez on for Lewandowski and Christensen. Inigo Martinez, this is kind of where you get the bad news, the thorns of this. I think he pulls down Budimir as his first action as a Barca player. Again, I think Barcelona got away with one. And, you know, it's not me being anti-Barcelona. I'm saying Barcelona, I think, got these calls. And I want you to remember the next time you feel aggrieved that Barcelona didn't get a call, I do want you to remind you that it's like it's okay that Kool-Aid's got this call this time. It's okay that something worked out for Barcelona this time around. For over the course of the season, these are league of referees, and what I said with those VAR, it's not the highest standard. It's not the highest quality. So Barcelona are going to win some that they don't deserve, and they're going to lose some that they shouldn't have taken away from them. You can always argue to me that Real Madrid win many more than they should be losing. And that is more the argument than it is about Barcelona winning some and losing some. I think Barcelona, as I've seen in statistical analysis and things like that, that they're basically bum average, just like other teams in the Liga. They're not totally everything for, and they're not totally everything going against them unfairly. They're kind of middle of the road in that way, where Real Madrid is a little bit higher on that things do kind of fall their way over the course of a season. So again, that's where you can put your conspiracy hat. But as far as Barcelona and things always going against them, every team in the Liga has things go against them at just about the same rate to Barcelona if you don't wear white. That, that's just the way it is. So for them to get away with one too, for Nico Martinez as well, to kind of say, whew, my debut for Barcelona could have been a Ronald Araujo red like we saw him get. So that first action doesn't necessarily mean that your career at Barcelona is over. But yeah, Nico Martinez got to be better. Clearly not fit, not ready to go. Hopefully these two weeks are good for him training with the team. Zal Felix didn't see much from him either just because 10 minutes wasn't really enough for him to find the game either. But if he is going to work, if he's going to defend, then he might wind up being the answer. And Xavi might have to reevaluate even the starting lineup he has. Jao Felix obviously is only here for a year. So what can he give Barcelona in a year? Is this really his dream? All that different stuff. We'll have to see. So for me, I'll wait two weeks and see Jao Felix again. We'll see if Xavi, how he sees him. Does he see him as taking over that role as an inside forward again? That just changed the very structure and nature of the team that Xavi is building. Or does he find him to be what Abde and Ansu Fati were? 
And does he just plug and play that role, which is an attacker to come off the bench when you're putting multiple attackers on if you're tied in a game or even if you're down? We've seen Ferran Torres, the same thing. He's not unseating Lewandowski yet. And so Ferran Torres knows he's coming off the bench. He has 30 minutes as a forward to make an impact. And Jao Felix, just like Ansu and Abde before him for the first few games of the season, the preseason, might have that exact same role. For Cancelo, though, I think he's going to be the starting right back very, very quickly. The fact that Xavi went with Sergio Berto, I know Ronald Rajo was out, so there was no option of Kunde Rajo. But because it was Sergio Berto again, and Xavi didn't try to problem solve with some kind of a formation, he just decided to put Sergio Berto there. I think Cancelo likely starts the very first game out of the international break. Speaking of international break time, so I've got a few things cooking. Again, I'm continuing to try to hope that I can recover whatever kind of I had this week. It wasn't COVID or anything like that, but whatever it was kind of knocked me down. So I'm still trying to get right back up on that. And I hope to have a conversation this week with somebody else about a different topic. As I said, we'll get into the Frankie Young stuff and some other fun stuff as well. So look out for all that. Subscribe to the channel. As you know, that's a big help. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it as well. That's a big help. And as always, until next time, for the Barstow.